Hello, thanks for listening to today's podcast in which we talk about uh, the corona, the escalating coronavirus situation and read a little bit uh, from various articles detailing cuts to the CDC budget uh, and the, the end of the role of global health czar by uh, a decision made by John Bolton apparently, eliminating that role from the National Security Council and what the consequences of this might be for America and uh, global health and global the global economy going forwards. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Thank you to any replay viewers that we have at the moment and thanks to people who are listening live. So I've been talking about the Trump administration being underprepared for the coronavirus. Uh, John Bolton was apparently the person who eliminated the role of global health czar, uh, who's supposed to coordinate the services. And there's been huge budget cuts from the CDC, as well as Trump uh, tweeting out that he doesn't think the coronavirus is very serious uh, and that he likes the look of the stock market. So he's encouraging uh, hospitals to not take it too seriously. He's effectively encouraging unpreparedness at a local level for people to not take precautions and for hospitals to not ask for or increase their protocols in preparation for a massive exponential escalation of this disease. The stock market has a bit of a clue about the effects it can have on various economies and the global economy and individual economies, hence the uh, significant stock market drop. Was it 2% yesterday and then another percent today? Hi, Paul. Hi, Jeff. Uh, So Craig is saying crazy views on Americans. To my mind, it's pretty evidence-backed views on Americans. So I'm just going to back now to have a look at this article some more about, um, except it's flickering a little bit. The US being underprepared for the coronavirus. So we hadn't worked our way all the way through that. We can have a look some more. So funding's been drastically cut to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention forcing it to reduce or discontinue epidemic prevention efforts in 39 out of the 49 countries that it had been helping. Ah, so Trump is probably hoping that that would uh, resonate with his base, which have been encouraged to escalate in hatred and contempt for the rest of the world. Uh, That's fascists usually doing that, exploiting people's perhaps suspicions that they would do better if they focused on putting America first or Germany first or whatever, uh, and that that will somehow enhance the prospects of the German or American people. And Germans found out in the end that it did not enhance the prospects of their nation. It brought significant shame as well as a, a large body count to German citizens, as well as obviously millions upon millions dead in European countries and even countries uh, such as the United States and Australia. which are not part of the, not part of Europe. All right. So yes, 
in the US, uh, 60 treatment centres have lost funding from the government. <sighs> 10 advanced treatment centres will still receive funding, but not 60 other treatment centres. All right, so that's all pretty concerning. Uh, what do people have to say about that? Let's have a look at our comment section right now. Someone's saying, I need to get some AirPod Pros. Ah, you think my uh, headphones, which are connected actually directly to a microphone so that I can conduct interviews. I don't actually need these headphones in at the moment. I'm not talking to anyone. Uh, yes, somebody's pointing out that Trump received nearly three million fewer votes than Hillary Clinton. I certainly don't mistake Trump for all Americans. I work with uh, resistance people on the internet on a regular basis. So I'm aware there's a significant groundswell of opposition to Trump and Trump fascism. So someone's saying that they read it was in deference to Chinese authorities in order not to upset trade. No, I was reading about um, cuts that Trump made to various budgets. Uh, prior to the outbreak of the corona, the novel coronavirus. So we can just bring that article up if people need, um, people need confirmation. So let's have a look. Oh, okay. Uh, so they explicitly dismantled the office of the global health czar in the White House. Um, perhaps we'll see what this link takes us to about the funding drying up for a tiered epidemic response. Okay, this looks like a good article. I don't know if you can see it yet. Yes, oh, you can. Okay, so outbreaks of lethal diseases like Ebola and the Wuhan coronavirus happen regularly and the US government cut funding for the hospitals that deal with them. So this is written by someone who holds a doctorate in biodefense from George Mason University and is an infection prevention epidemiologist. Her research focuses on infection prevention as a health security measure. So yes, though, we remember the man who showed up at a Dallas hospital with fever and abdominal pain. He was sent home with antibiotics and days later he was dead from Ebola. So hospital practices can expose healthcare workers and others to infection. Two, two of Duncan's nurses were, became infected with Ebola uh, and such failures, systemic procedural failures were apparently prolific in the US, US healthcare system even before the 2014 crisis. Uh, so according to Nina Pham, one of the nurses who contracted Ebola her preparation in caring for an Ebola patient consisted of what her manager Googled and printed out from the internet. So there was no systemic protocols in place in US hospitals. But after that outbreak, US health officials put in a strategy in place to prepare hospitals to deal with patients who had diseases like Ebola caused by so-called special pathogens. So this tiered response system consists of frontline and assessment hospitals that determine whether or not patients have a serious infectious disease. So now we've just learned that 60 of those treatment centers have had their funding cut, whereas only 10 centers uh, retain their funding. So 
Yep, the federal funding for the program set to expire and Congress did not include funding for the program in the 2020 budget. Hmm. Well, I will blame the Republican Party for that. And uh, if we look at the article that points out how the Republican Party actually benefited from the Ebola scare in 2014. Benefited. We can look at that article as well. Oh, actually, I already had it up there. So all I need to do is connect you with that. Okay, remove this. Hello again. And we're going to share our screen with an article about the effect of Ebola concerns on the 2014 election. Let's read the abstract. Did an Ebola outbreak influence the 2014 US federal elections? And if so, how? Uh, so they conducted various analyses. Results revealed that the psychological salience of Ebola, so the significance, was associated with increased intention to vote for Republican candidates. And this effect occurred primarily in states characterized by norms favoring Republican party candidates. Oddly enough, the effect did not occur in states with norms favoring Democratic Party candidates. So these results overall suggest that disease outbreaks may influence voter behavior in two psychologically distinct ways. Increased inclination to vote for politically conservative candidates and increased inclination to conform to popular opinion. All right. So longitudinal analyses of pre-election polling data. And it turns out that people in red states who already have a predisposition to vote Republican will have that predisposition solidified and enhanced. So Trump will likely increase his voting share in red states. Uh, and that might, well, a significant question now is what effect does is suggested by those researchers in relation to purple states. And I will have to pay for that article if I want to uh, read it more. So could you guys see that same article that I was reading? Yes, you can see the abstract as well. Yes, in 2018, Trump fired the government's pandemic response chain of command. And we also must note that under Trump's appointed uh, Environmental Protection Agency leaders. Uh, they have cut regulations regarding what is allowable to put into air and water by corporations. So yeah, mercury regulations are being changed, asbestos regulations are being weakened, etc, etc. People are often poisoned by Republican politicians and their moves to relax regulation. So libertarians will often talk about how uh, they support small government, uh, but they're not usually women because women and who, whose bodies uh, go through that difficulty of gestating children for nine months prior to their release into the world often have a very strong, whether it's biologically or culturally or a mix of the two, commitment to ensuring the safety of those members of society who are 
smaller, smallest and therefore most vulnerable to um, doses of, of toxins and neurotoxins from industrial effluent uh, released into air and water. So Paul's had a good idea. He's saying that it might be a good idea to boycott any company taking advantage of Trump's EPA rollbacks, so the regulatory rollbacks that are um, cutting protections and increasing the amount of uh, harmful toxins that American children and American adults are exposed to. Both adults and children can be exposed, but it's typically more consequential for children at a development le developmental level. Uh, there was a significant drop in crime in the US 15 years after lead levels in um, various fuels were cut as a consequence of increased regulation. So yes, I've heard someone say that libertarianism is essentially astrology for men. So women sometimes subscribe to low evidence-based uh, pastimes such as discussing astrology uh, and too many men enjoy making assertions from low evidence-based political ideologies such as libertarianism, also communism. I mean, Bernie bros are often bros. Hello. Hello, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, so I think that's pretty much all I would like to communicate for today, that we should be raising awareness that Trump might find it politically advantageous to uh, promote, to actively promote disease outbreaks, not only by cutting funding to the CDC uh, and eliminating the role of global health czar. Uh, John Bolton apparently didn't think it was an important concern for Americans to have uh, such a position as a global health czar that was meant to help coordinate national and local and state responses to uh, a disease outbreak. So we're considering the possibility that uh, as per the research that I had on screen earlier, I can put back on screen now. Um, actually, I'll put it in the full screen. Can everybody see that? I should just highlight the part that I'm thinking is particularly relevant. No, I'm looking at a different screen to you all. I'll change that screen. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm not a hippie. I'm in favor of um, vaccination and uh, government responses. So uh, staying abreast of recommendations and ensuring frontline healthcare staff care were, pro were properly trained was a daunting task and for many hospitals was not a sustainable one. Maintaining such a high level of preparedness was also extremely costly. So the US hospitals designated as Ebola treatment centers spent an average of 1.2 million per hospital in about a year. So Ebola preparedness efforts cost US hospitals approximately $361 million in 2014 to 15. So Congress funded the tiered framework of Ebola care facilities, which was a relief to epidemiologists, apparently. 
and the Department of Health and Human Services, the DHHS. Oh, I think I was incorrectly saying Department of Homeland Services, but the DHHS, okay. I'm glad I fixed that error. Okay, was tasked with creating a regional strategy for caring for patients infected with special pathogens. So here we come to the coronavirus category, a category which also includes diseases such as severe acute respiratory syndrome or SARS um, and Lassa fever, a viral hemorrhagic disease endemic in parts of West Africa. So pandemics uh, are more likely to happen when Industrialized nations such as the US uh, don't coordinate well with other countries to prevent such uh, outbreaks. The expectations are that frontline facilities should be able to quickly identify and isolate patients and transfer them to an assessment or treatment hospital if necessary. All right, so only 10 of those treatment centers are now continuing to be funded. All right. And we'll see what happens to economies uh, once, once travel is restricted. So people who are racist uh, and support Trump because they would prefer for there to be less interaction between nations uh, and less migration and less uh, business opportunities and workers moving to a new country. It's interesting to see if they will be cheered by Trump restricting travel from China and they will applaud the attendant economic downturn. America's already at risk of an increasing economic downturn because of the uh, obstacles that Trump has put in the way of legal migration, the restrictions, the economic, uh, the burden of establishing certain levels of economic self self, I don't want to say self-sustaining um, ability because it seems wrong. Okay. Someone's asking me if I've seen a clip of US libertarians booing the concept of a driver's license. Yes. So that's a good anecdote illustrating uh, the departure from reality that libertarians are engaged in. And that's a factor that's very resonant with what we know of Trump supporters as well. Very significantly departed from reality, no longer caring about the national debt or the rule of law, uh, ignoring evidence of corruption, which gives Trump a seemingly Teflon ability uh, to escape consequences of scandals, such as uh, putting out a $25 million settlement for uh, the victims of his fraudulent Trump University. Uh, can you imagine any other political candidate managing to settle uh, a lawsuit in that way, giving $25 million, so it's not nothing, uh, and still being in office, not being hounded from office for shame, having their charitable organisation closed because of corruption and mismanagement, and still managing to be sufficiently popular uh, with the base so that Republicans in power can prop up a corrupt, uh, criminally associated fraud such as Trump, even when all of these things have happened. And that Trump, like all manner of fascist leaders before him, has 
already told his base, instructed his base to disregard what's reported in the media so that they know not to believe that he settled the case against him for $25 million because he defrauded people who attended Trump University. Uh, Trump supporters know to disregard media reports, accurate media reports, on how the law instructed Trump to close down his charitable organisation and his children are not permitted to sit on the board of any charities in the state of New York. Hi, thanks for joining. So I hope this information has been helpful to people. In, I would like to draw people's attention to an, a Twitter thread by a former uh, Border Patrol agent, a senior Border Patrol agent turned effectively whistleblower. Her name is Jen Budd. Uh, and let's find her on Twitter now so that we can, so that I can share her thread because uh, she, she blew the whistle that the culture in the Border Patrol is very bad and very rapey, but that it also changed significantly after 9-11. So, Jen... Okay, I'm working on it. I guess we can discuss in the meantime what we've heard about the culture of Border Patrol agents. Uh, Jen has previously revealed that they're forced to use degrading terminology towards migrants they're, uh, when they're receiving instruction prior to becoming a Border Patrol agent. They have to call them wetbacks or some other term. Uh, Okay, not working for me yet, but I'm still searching. If anybody else can find it, if anybody else follows Jen, you can help. <laughs> oh, all right, maybe I should look directly on Twitter instead of trying to Google. Uh, what else do we know about the culture of um, CBS? Okay, well, we can look at a meme. That's something we can do. Okay. That with a quote from Jen. So she is a fairly um, significant whistleblower that a lot of people follow. So you can see the quote from her there. There's a picture of Jen with her special hat. Former patrol, patrol, Border Patrol agent Jen Budd. Trump is basically holding children hostage for his wall. There are going to be kids that end up committing suicide because of the trauma we're putting them through. This is going to be as shameful as the internment camps we had for the Japanese. The Border Patrol needs to stand up and stop following orders that they know are unlawful. Uh, yes. Well, that would be nice, but it seems as if the culture is 
Okay. Ah, I found the thread. So recently she was talking with a former Washington CBP senior management officer. This is what stuck with me. Border Patrol does not believe they are a civilian law enforcement agency. They believe they are kin to the Marine Corps. They do not believe that they are accountable to Congress, which is why they have no issues lying to them, even while under oath. They believe they are only accountable to the president, and even then only to presidents like Trump. Uh. So Border Patrol believes it is not answerable to local police, to the FBI, the CIA, or any other law enforcement agency. They claim to be premier law enforcement to be a premier law enforcement agency, superior to all others, they say they will become a national police force to be used by a president to enforce laws even among citizens. They know their forces are larger than is necessary. That is why they created this fake crisis. They know they have more gear than they need, which is why they stress emergency response so they can get more. And I am telling you, this comes from as high as you can get. This is why they have amassed amassed such a force, bookmark this. So, so yes, the Border Patrol was um, probably already broken, but got a good sponsor in Donald Trump. So I hope that was interesting to you. Somebody asked, how does someone have it and I've realized now they're likely responding to the title of coronavirus. Uh, and and there she's asking how somebody has, knows if they have coronavirus. Well, it's difficult to know if your state, your state hospitals are not equipped with testing kits. Uh, yes, yeah, so hopefully everybody can see uh, Jen's Twitter account there, which is Bud Jen. So there's a double D and a double N in Jen Bud, which is why I didn't initially find it. I can also make the screen bigger. Now does oops. Now does this impact how big the screen appears? Yes, it does. That makes it more readable to at least me. Okay. Uh, So as a former agent, yes, she'd like to tell us that the cruelty is the point. They have the ability to treat families humanely, but choose not to because Border Patrol does not value the lives of immigrants. This is taught in the academy and reinforced by management. Ooh. Oh, we won't watch the rest of a six-year-old school girl. Oh, or will we? No, I don't think I could do that. My daughter's, oh dear. Nope, nope, and nope. What are those for? The six-year-old girl asked the officer. They're for you, he replied before another officer tightened them around her wrists. She wept, begged and pleaded for help as she was loaded into an SUV. After the arrest, the man who was fired days later amid a national firestorm 
chatted with school staff about having arrested 6,000 people in his career. The youngest to that point was seven. Told that Kaya was six, he replied, now she has broken the record. Uh, so that's good that there was national outrage and that he was fired. She has struggled to return to school and she's fearful of other officers on campus. Yes, I would imagine the trauma of having your hands zip-tied. I mean, it's such a, such a difficult thing to have your hands tied behind your back. You can't protect yourself uh, from... If you fall, you, you, your whole body would be screaming, no, don't leave me helpless in this way. If I fall, if someone knocks me, I'll receive a head injury. That's just intuitively what your senses would be saying to you. Uh, so I think on that non-particularly cheery note, I might go. Uh, but yes, know that there are many people, obviously in law enforcement, who might try to do good jobs and many people who are also just keen on arresting as many people as possible and have no care or concern for uh, the mental trauma that could be inflicted on a six-year-old girl. Someone's asking me that the, is it possible if the coronavirus threat has been exaggerated by the media? No, it seems likely that uh, the threat of the coronavirus has been underreported um, just because people might be lulled into a false sense of security because of the relatively low fatality rate of the coronavirus, but that people are relaxing too much because they should be pressuring the United States government to do more and to restore funding to the CDC, the billions of dollars worth of funding, uh, to the 60 treatment centres that have lost funding uh, that need it restored, and to restore the position of global health czar, which was... Um, taken out of, well, just eliminated from the National Security Council. So, so no, it's, it's, if the coronavirus threat was being accurately reported on, then people would be clamouring in a, in a way that was very insistent and would have uh, political, the effect of significant political pressure on the Trump administration to restore funding. So people, people do not adequately appreciate the threat of the coronavirus uh, some people might have seen footage from China where they were establishing makeshift hospitals in factories or just putting down lots of beds because clearly hospitals were overwhelmed. And if you put a lot of beds in a factory, then sure, you can take people there, but that's not a hospital equipped with treatment facilities. So you're just isolating patients and effectively leaving them uh, to, to die on their own. So, so yes, I think people should be more concerned about the coronavirus uh, don't despair, prepare is a good uh, motto for this type of thing that I've seen. People should be getting, you know, not crazily ordering, but people should be getting amounts of food stable, shelf stable food that they can have in case they're made to stay at home. Uh, you know, pre preparations for childcare if, you, if you're confined to your house, uh, etc. So lots of places might go into lockdown and lots of businesses might suffer the economic impact of a significant global slowdown in various economic interactions that provide the, the engine of the world economy. So thanks for listening today, everyone. If you've liked my broadcast, please consider sharing it with other people to, or recommending it to other people. And uh, 
This is an article I was showing earlier, which you might want to read about uh, the nature of the budget cuts that uh, the Trump administration has afflicted on the US. And the US is, as a wealthy nation, as the preeminent global superpower, has the ability to be an effective check on the coronavirus and on other pandemics. And it has reduced that potential because of the nature of fascism is to argue that uh, the pendulum has to swing in favor of just looking out for the people at home and, and arguing that America is overextended. So as a consequence of a critical mass of people supporting that point of view and that pendulum swing to, to withdraw and to uh, not fund initiatives globally to help contain and respond to to mass outbreaks of disease, uh, the world is in, as interconnected as it is nowadays, is made more vulnerable and Americans are made more vulnerable. So yes, the outcomes associated with fascist sentiment and the, the growth of uh, fascist supporters like Trump supporters who um, blink and look aside for cruelty to children and demonization of migrant subgroups are also the same people who cheer cuts to programs that would go some measures towards securing their own safety and the safety of their families. So people, people get confused by the false promises of fascism. That's a very simple way of putting it. People do get very confused by the false promises of fascism. Some people don't fall for it and some people do, but you often get minoritarian authoritarianism where 30 to 40% of the population support the totalitarian leaders and the rest of the population are cowed into agreeance with what's happening because uh, the people who have managed to circumvent democratic processes to, to win power, even without a, a true majority, then change the rules and abuse the system so that they can consolidate power and retain that power. Even as more and more people get uneasy with the developments under an incompetent criminal government. Uh, comments section someone said interesting thank you I'm glad you enjoyed my comments my last comment is just this is my patreon account for anybody who enjoys my analysis and my amateur level reporting uh, this is not something you get on the mainstream media section an hour of uh, someone with qualifications in childhood development talking about political events but the times call for it uh, because the people who have a decent rejection of the inhumanity of fascism and the incompetence of fascism uh, owe it to each other to stand up and speak out about these type of issues because fascism has a strong forward momentum of its own uh, that typically results in the mass murder of millions of people. And I know that through familial experience in that my family, family members were murdered uh, in the Belzec gas chambers because um, fascism and fascist support grew and grew in Germany, uh, starting with people initially rejecting Hitler's party, but the sense of grievance and the sense of joy at uh, identifying enemies and sharing the enemy and sharing that sense of shared omnipotence and power by saying, yep, Jews We've identified that the problem for Germany is Jews and communists, and we will work to ensure that Jews are excluded from business, 
life from educational opportunities and will take their property and redistribute it to Germans. So just baby steps towards oppressing people and baby steps that alarm some people but other people suffer from normalcy bias and think, well, you know, somebody supported this so can't be anything too terrible. We're a decent, modern, humane civilization, and we're an educated uh, nation. America's a reasonably well-educated nation as well. People often decry the education system in the US, but it's, it's outstanding. Overall, it just has some significant baked-in inequalities in that educational school funding is often a function of property taxes, so that if you're wealthy uh, and have high-value property and pay a lot in property taxes, you're likely to have a commensurately good school system, and there's no effort to make sure that... Uh, people already mired in institutionalised levels of poverty uh, can get access to the kind of good education you need to lift yourself out of the cycle of poverty and deprivation. So, no, overall, American citizens are educated just as German citizens were educated. Education does not uh, immunise you against the psychological vulnerability that many people have to events like 9-11, whereby you start to abandon humane and rational considerations and start to want to find enemies to punish in order to protect your family. So we have some comments. Let's see what the comments are to reply to them. Ah, Paul's saying there's nothing immature about me reporting the truth, which means I mispronounced the word amateur. I meant I lack qualifications in journalism or reporting, but uh, no, I think what I'm doing is mature and I would encourage other mature people to, to take up the challenge of speaking out against uh, fascism. But do you know what? For years I've been just trying to promote awareness of fascism and now I run up against the, the obstacle that many people who are aware of the dangers of Trump brand fascism are advocating for Bernie Sanders to be the candidate, which is a pendulum swing to someone who has communist sympathies and uh, praises leaders like Fidel Castro, who also consolidated executive power uh, and eliminated checks and balances. And sure, as Bernie says, he started a literacy program when he got into office. Um, that's not the point. Uh, fascism isn't, and totalitarianism isn't a good system that should be applauded for doing some good things and then just decry the bad things. You have to decry it as a system of government because it inherently uh, shakes off the natural checks and balances of a functional government. Uh, all manner of totalitarian governments result in the death and imprisonment of thousands, if not millions of people, because um, they overly invest in executive power. They have one leader who becomes so powerful that they don't have to accept feedback and they are no longer answerable to the collective will of the people. They rule, they set up rule, and they, they sit tight for, for decades uh, where possible, and they unshackle themselves from the collective conscience of their societies. So Stalin organised a famine that killed millions upon millions of Ukrainians. Uh, Mao inadvertently orchestrated a famine that killed millions upon millions of Chinese people. Um, so people who are afraid of communism are rationally afraid of communism. People who are afraid of Bernie's candidacy are rationally afraid of his candidacy. 
uh, because he shows disrespect for working with his political party, as if he too thinks the legislative branch is inconsequential and cooperation is not necessary. Whereas the reason there's executive, legislative and judicial branches is precisely to provide a, um, a bulwark against tyranny and against the type of excesses of inhumanity that humans are subject to when they achieve that type of ultimate unchecked power. I hope I'm getting this on my podcast because that was a good sentence. If anybody ever enjoys a sentence, I say, please type out some keywords for it and put it in the comment section because that will help me repeat myself at a later date. I don't like to listen back to myself, so anybody who can help me out in that way, that would be so valuable. <laughs> um, just keywords. I should speak slower to give people a better chance to record anything they think is useful. Of course, maybe you're not near any pens and paper because you're going about your daily lives, in which case, disregard my request. So yes, uh, people are legitimately concerned about uh, someone who expresses sympathies with communist leaders, totalitarian leaders, uh, and who shows a lack of respect for the legislative branch. Bernie Sanders recently tweeted that he's coming for the establishment, meaning the Democratic Party, as well as uh, referring to Trumpism. So we have a commenter called Atomic Bear who's saying poverty sufferers don't pay attention to politics. They pay attention to immediate family needs. But let's put it to rest uh, the mythology of Trump having a base comprised of poor people. Uh, those with an average of under $50,000 a year income were more likely to vote for Hillary Clinton in the main than for Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump's supporters are actually more likely to be middle class and non-college educated and white. They're very likely to agree with a statement, this is not art, in reference to question, is this art or not, about something that looks pretty abstract. And another thing that's very predictive of Trump support is um, living in a county with a high rate of uh, early death, death from despair. So a high rate of drug overdoses or alcoholism or suicide. And that is not necessarily associated with poverty. It sounds like it, but it's associated with disappointment. So middle-class people who haven't achieved what they wanted can experience disappointment and psychological breakdown uh, and have suicide rates that are higher than impoverished people, as counterintuitive as that may seem. Uh, if anybody's here who has administrative privileges, feel free to block someone promoting the Brazilian fascist leader, Bolsonaro, who also uh, came to popular attention for promoting us versus them uh, identification of enemies type uh, gleefulness. And if we can find a German word that means gleefulness at articulating, a shared, articulating and denouncing a shared enemy, perhaps identifying and denouncing shared enemies, that gives people... Uh, the kind of dopamine high of uh, shared goals, um, you know, the same type of reason that helps people return over and over again to church services when they feel uh, unified in a worldview, unified in values and unified in enemies. The quickest, I mean, something that people are most responsive to is threat identification. So you can get all of the happiness of 
shared community feelings in churches, except you can get it faster by saying, we're going to unify around a shared perceived threat. Oh, thanks, Paul. You're saying you just did something, and I'm not sure what it is that you just did. But I'm excited to find out. Uh, oh, you just did block the troll. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, we, we obviously have no space to argue with people who have come here to uh, exert antisocial behaviour by chanting pro-fascist slogans. Thank you, Paul. Much appreciated. Uh, so, yes, my new thing, instead of just saying, please be aware that Trump is a fascist and that his strategies for achieving electoral success are fascist, well-documented fascist strategies, my new goal to rally around is, um, I guess I could achieve it faster by identifying a shared enemy. Hey, we have to keep Bernie Sanders out of the Democratic nomination field because he'll lose the House majority and any hope of a Senate majority and potentially consolidate power as an autocratic leader. I'm less concerned about that because, to my mind, he might want to do it, but he would still decisively lose in an election uh, because he doesn't have the backing of white supremacists. And they're clearly or people who lean towards, who have a yearning for uh, the propping up of white demographic dominance. Um, they're clearly a substantial voting block in the United States. Bernie doesn't have that. He has the voting block of a lot of young people, but young people, even when they break records for voting turnout, the height of voter turnout amongst young people has still been 36%, whereas older people have increased slightly their voter turnout, but it's at 66% of their demographic. So, no, young people do not help Bernie Sanders achieve an electoral college victory. I'm not really concerned that he would win the election and institute communist style rule because prior to doing that he would just lose the democratic party the election lose the house majority because dems in purple states would be uh, sullied by association with him the word democrat becomes more of a dirty word when uh, you have an avowed socialist with known communist sympathies as well uh, selected by popular acclaim to be the democratic chosen candidate so I'm really hoping that people will rally around a moderate candidate, pretty much the only moderate candidate who has significant black support. Elizabeth Warren doesn't have it. I know you, the Twitterati often have looked at Elizabeth Warren and her policies with carefully appraising eyes and said, we determined she is the best and she's a woman, so we are correcting the injustice of 2016. Uh, no, you can't fix 2016. Hillary Clinton is not running and Elizabeth Warren is not Hillary Clinton. She's, her Senate career is not as protracted. When did Hillary... Elizabeth Warren's been in the Senate for five years, perhaps? But in any case, she doesn't have significant support amongst uh, black voters and she's not going to be able to bring along that uh, voting turnout amongst that solid, reliable Democratic voting bloc, which is to say black Democratic voters. And so people should stop. And a moderate candidate that could potentially win an electoral college victory needs to coalesce around one candidate. Buttigieg doesn't have black voter support, uh, nor does Amy Klobuchar. So they should drop out of the race instead of being ego, vanity project 
driven. Um, I can understand why. Look, it means a lot to the people they're connected to. It means a lot to people from their state. It means a lot to their supporters that they continue in their primary race. Uh, but there's no pathway. There is no viable pathway for a democratic candidate to um, to a successful democratic bid for the presidency without the support of black voters. So there's no point saying how great they are. Really, they they are pulling support away from from Biden. It's hard to dissuade a billionaire from doing what they want because a billionaire is essentially Veruca Salt's character in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They can do what they like. But Bloomberg, Buttigieg and Warren, sorry, and Klobuchar are moderates, the Dem candidates that should drop out. And, and when I say should drop out, they won't because of anything I say. But uh, people could at least stop supporting them and promoting them. That would be nice. Atomic Bear said something exciting in German that I cannot understand. Perhaps you assumed that I knew German. I cannot speak German. I am acquainted with some small degree of Frenchness. <laughs> the French language. Thank you so much for joining with me today. I'll try and use this opportunity to go. I hope you enjoyed the, pod the broadcast and I hope anybody listening enjoys the podcast. Uh, take care, all of you. All the best. Oh, wow. Atomic Bear literally found a, a German phrase for me. Gleeful sharing of denouncement of shared enemies in German. Frolich teilen wir de Verteilung Germansheimer Freunde. Freunde. Yes, but Germans are renowned for often having one portmanteau word that means a whole phrase like that. I mean, there's a word meaning literally grief bacon, but the phrase is uh, weight that you've put on after an emotional disappointment. So Germans sometimes have special words for that. But if we ever have a German listener, we'll have to prevail upon them to tell us if there's anything like that. We, we know of schadenfreude, which is shameful glee. So I'm guessing there may be no variant on schadenfreude, which specifically refers to that kind of fascist groundswell of excitement when people come together to say, yes, we all have the same enemy. Nobody else is willing to say it but Hitler or Trump, etc. So, so thank you for your help, Atomic Bear. Thanks to everybody who's listened today. And thanks for participating in this ongoing project of uh, marshalling our collective efforts around a pathway to helping America back away from the edge of the fascist cliff that they're currently on. Bye. Take care. Thank you, Paul. Much appreciated. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.